Hey, I'm Bruce Weinstein, and this is the podcast Cooking with Bruce and Mark. And I'm Mark Scarborough, and together with Bruce, we have written three dozen cookbooks. We have written, I don't even know, millions of original recipes. Oh, my goodness, at least. Um, it's, uh, it's unbelievable. <laughs> What's really unbelievable is every now and then someone will stop us and say, you know, I made that recipe of yours for chicken. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember that one. <laughs> Which one of the 37, <laughs> 36 cookbooks now going on to the 37th? I don't know. If you got, hey, if you got a new air fryer or if you got a new Instant Pot for Christmas, did you know that we have tons of books on the Instant Pot from copycat recipes to our big, great book, the Instant Pot Bible, and even a sequel, the Instant Pot Bible, The Next Generation. We've got a book all about cooking everything frozen right out of the freezer in the Instant Pot pot roast from frozen in the Instant Pot. And we've got a ton of air fryer books, including the Look and Cook air fryer book and the Essential Air Fryer Cookbook. All of these books are available wherever books are sold, and you can make the most of your new appliances from the holidays. We have got in this show a one-minute cooking tip. Bruce has an interview with Kat Ashmore of Hungry Lady Salads. We'll talk about that, and we'll tell you what's making us happy in food this week. So, as always, let's get started. Today's one-minute cooking tip is all about using something that will gross most people out. (laughs) Powdered chicken bouillon is a fabulous substitute for salt. Because, of course, it contains salt. It contains MSG, which is kind of like salt and enhances flavor. And it is so great like to use instead of salt in mashed potatoes, yeah. in rubs, in stews, in dips. And sp- Bruce has become more and more adept at cooking regional Chinese authenticity cuisine. We have discovered more and more that bouillon is a constant ingredient. It's a way to get MSG and chicken flavor and all that into food. And, in fact, if you go to Asian markets, there are giant containers, like not the little ones, but quart size, a couple of pounds of chicken powder. Really good stuff. And if you buy bouillon, this is going on too long, but if you, it always does, doesn't it? If you buy bouillon in the cubes, what we're talking about is chipping off a piece of the cube, not dropping the whole cube necessarily into a bowl of mashed potatoes. Try chipping off a little and then see where that takes you. And if you need more, you, you can add more. Yeah, it adds a depth of flavor. Right, exactly. Okay, before we get to Bruce's interview in this episode of our podcast, Cooking with Bruce and Mark, let me say that would be great if you could subscribe to this podcast, if you could rate it, like it, and if you could write a review. You. That would be the best way you can support this otherwise free and unsupported and ad-free podcast. It helps us stay current in the analytics. We really appreciate that no matter what country you're in. And we see the listeners in Canada and Australia and New Zealand and elsewhere on our analytics. Thanks for tuning in to this U.S.-based podcast. And please write a review. Okay, up next, Bruce's interview with Kat Ashmore of Hungry Lady Salads on TikTok. She has more than 3 million followers. That's impossible, but okay, 3 million followers. <laughs> and she's got a brand new book out, Big Bites, wholesome, comforting recipes that are big on flavor, nourishment, and fun. You may know her as TikTok food celeb behind Hungry Lady Salads, but Kat Ashmore is so much more than that. Well, today she's my guest, and her mission is to empower hungry readers everywhere to feed themselves and their loved ones well and have fun doing it. And to help, she's got a fantastic new book called Big Bites, wholesome, comforting recipes that are big on flavor, nutrition, and fun. Welcome, Kat. 
Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Hey, you say in your book that great food doesn't have to be complicated. So what, in your opinion, makes great, satisfying, healthy, fun food? I think a lot of it is technique, knowing how to make the most out of the ingredients, really knowing how to make them sing and how to create a story with every recipe. I look at every recipe as a story. You've got your different characters. They interact with each other. They bring out different things within each other. And I think once you start to learn how to properly create a recipe and the importance of the different ingredients, you realize that you just don't need all that much stuff oftentimes. I've never heard anyone talk about ingredients as characters and stories. That's really kind of interesting. Yeah, I I think it's really important because oftentimes when we will try something at a restaurant or we'll make something at home, we think to ourselves, Eh, it's not that good. And I encourage people to really take it a step further and say, you know, what's missing? Is it missing some brightness that I could add some acidity to? Is it missing a little bit of spice? Is it missing, you know, some coolness to counteract the spice? So just looking at it that way, I really encourage people to go beyond just following a recipe and understand the importance of the different ingredients. Well, let's talk about an interesting ingredient you have in one of the first recipes of your book. It's a familiar recipe, but yet unique. Avocado toast. Sure, we all know how that works, but I've never seen anyone do it the way you do with hot melted honey. Interesting ingredient. Tell me how that works. Tell me how that character works for you in that story. The way that that works for me. So it was really born out of the idea that we have been seeing avocado toast. It everywhere. And it's been around now for a while. And it's usually um, terrifically expensive wherever you go. And, you know, I would, I would moan to my husband, like, I can't believe they're charging $18 for avocado and toast. And yet three quarters of the people in this cafe are sitting here eating it. And so I wanted to do something that felt a little bit different and take it up a notch and make it a little bit more a bit romantic. I'm a romantic at heart. And so adding the ingredients, something like a really beautiful floral honey, and then a little bit of spice from the chili, the way that they counteract with the cool creaminess of the avocado, because you probably know when you're dealing with an ingredient like avocado or salmon or egg, something that has a good amount of natural fat, you need some components to really wake up the flavor, right? Whether it's acid or spice. So I think that the the simple combination does it beautifully. You call the first chapter of your book, Morning Person. I am not one of those people. Mm -hmm. But if you're serving your homemade turkey sausage with apple and sage, I'm getting up for that. Is it hard to make your own sausage from scratch? It's really not. If if you're if you're taking it really far back, I mean, there's an, an expression, you know, seeing how the sausage is made, and sometimes that's not very pretty. I really try to meet people where they are and say, you know, let's meet you where you are in your kitchen with the appliances you have. You know, I'm not going to make you source out any special equipment to make it. Um, but it's a really fun way to just take something like ground meat, which so many of us use, we probably have in our freezer, and add a little bit of flavor and ingredients to make something that feels unique at home. And do I have to worry about casing or is this going to be just really freeform? 
Mm-mm. You're, you're, it's going to be very free form. I wanted people to be able to make them up just like patties. Again, meeting them where they are. A lot of people make burgers at home. They know how to do that. So it's really not much different than forming a burger. Um, so you've got that little bit of maple, that sweetness that of course plays so well. Maple is very much a breakfast flavor in my mind. And the little bit of sage, it's that herbaceous woodsy component that just kind of hangs out in the background. One of my favorite appetizers when I go out is spinach dip, but it's always so rich and I never feel very good after eating it. So tell me about your lighter, healthier version that sounds amazing. Yeah. So really the spinach dip, which is mostly spinach dip, really is mostly spinach. So we are just saying, you know what, we're going to give spinach main character energy here. We are going to let the spinach really be the bulk of the dip um, rather than something that just kind of binds together all of these not so great ingredients for you. And I am all for indulging, but let's be honest, spinach dip is an appetizer. So the idea is that you're supposed to be able to eat afterwards. And you probably know from what you've expressed, if I'm having spinach dip at a restaurant, chances are I'm not very hungry afterwards. So we want to, you know, kick off the meal with something really fun and comforting and cheesy and enjoyable, but also leave a little bit of room for what's to come next. So what's in there that lightens it up besides just the spinach? Mm. So I I like to use Greek yogurt oftentimes as a base, something that is like nice and creamy. Of course, you know, you add in things like cream cheese and lots of cheese and all of those components that is very traditional in a spinach dip. But I am... I am not of the mindset of needing to remove ingredients completely. I am always looking at a recipe and saying, how much can I scale back on these components while still keeping the integrity of of the recipe? And that's really what I try to do here as well. Hey, I can't talk to the hungry salad lady about her new book and not talk about salads. So it is one of the largest chapters in your book. What's the secret to a perfect salad, Kat? The secret to a perfect salad is... As I was saying before about the story of a recipe, I think a salad is a perfect example of that. I often share with people that I think you can tell a lot about a restaurant by ordering the house salad and seeing how they represent themselves there. So I think a great salad should have a good amount going on. It doesn't mean that it needs to be terribly complicated, but these particular salads are meant to be full meal in a bowl salads where you can make it on, you know, a Sunday night and you can enjoy it oftentimes for most of the week because we're busy, right? And I think when we are pressed for time, oftentimes that's when we make choices that might not be as mindful as we would otherwise make. Well, I want to talk about one of the salads in your book, your shaved Caesar with fennel, crispy chickpeas. Typically, Caesar salads are very rich, very creamy. How do you create this salad that looks so fantastic, but it's also healthy? Well, I think the thing with Caesar salad, which is a beloved salad for a lot of reasons, I have very rarely have I met a Caesar salad that I didn't like. I'll be honest. If I'm at a diner, if I'm at a restaurant with my kids where we're going there because there's chicken fingers and French fries and I don't know what to order, it's usually a Caesar salad and French fries. Um, So really for me, it's about when you're taking away 
fat or sugar or whatever it is, making sure that you're supplementing it with lots of flavor. So we've got lots of garlic going on. We've got the anchovy, which is, I don't know about you, but I feel the anchovy is absolutely a non-negotiable with Caesar. Do you agree? No, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's a non-negotiable for me. I mean, that's really what makes a, a Caesar dressing a Caesar dressing. So um, everyone, that's probably one of my favorite recipes in the book. And I think the crispy chickpeas are just such a nice ingredient to know how to make. It adds that crunchy, crispy thing to the salad and can be used in so many great ways. I love to top homemade hummus with the crispy chickpeas. Um, you know, you can put them on a sheet pan with some chicken thighs and vegetables and you've got a full dinner. So it's a great technique to be able to learn as well. Meatballs can make me weak in the knees. And what I love about your recipe for chimichurri meatballs is you roast them, you broil them, they get a beautiful brown crunch on them. But for most people not familiar with chimichurri, can you talk about what that is and how your version is a little different? Yes. So every country has a form of a fresh green sauce. In Italy, it's pesto. You know, in Spain and Mexico, you have salsa verde. In France, you have sauce verde. So this is the Argentinian version. It's very prominent all through Latin America. My uncle lived in Buenos Aires. It, it was served with meats all the time. And I, I love to have these concoctions that are sort of secret weapons you can have on hand that really just kick up the flavor of whatever protein you feel like cooking that, that night. So it has that nice fresh herb base of parsley. And then you've got oregano and you've got garlic and you've got some nice, you know, acid going on there and olive oil. And it's so quick to put together, you know, spoon it over roasted potatoes. You can use it so many ways. Speaking of secret weapons, you actually have a chapter at the end of your book called Secret Weapons, which are your ingredients that really make food pop. Can you give us one or two of your secret weapons right here and tell us what you like to use them with? I would say if I had to pick a favorite and it's very difficult to do, I would say pickled onions are one of my favorite things to have in the fridge. If you like to do tacos, if you like to do fajitas, you know, sheep pan fajitas, having uh, pickled onions on hand is a no brainer for me. Put them on a burger, that beautiful, sweet, like slightly sweet, acidic combination just wakes up and brightens up so many different dishes, especially in the winter time where it's cold out. We're doing a lot of slow braised meats, which can feel a little bit heavy. Adding a fresh sauce or pickled onions is one of the ways that I like to brighten it up. Hey, Kat, your recipe for French onion soup starts off by saying that most people don't make it at home because it never tastes as good as it does in a restaurant. So what's your secret to getting that restaurant flavor onion soup at home? The most important thing is knowing how to properly caramelize your onions. And I think in a world where we're in such a rush, you know, most people will put their onions on and then 10, 15 minutes later, they take them off and they think that they're they're caramelized. They're just cooked. They're not caramelized. I mean, you want them to be really jammy and sweet. The process of caramelizing onions is such a beautiful thing. Don't you agree? I mean, the way that it just transforms onions is unlike anything else. And if you're if you're cutting that short, you're missing out on so much depth of flavor. And something I'll do too is 
um, making sure that if, if you feel like your onions are starting to burn a little bit, just add a little bit of water, you know, and just deglaze the pan. It, it should just hang out for a good minimum 30 minutes. You want to go 45, even 60 minutes. And you just continue to see it take on more and more of a flavor profile. Kat, you are not afraid of bold flavors. You've got your harissa roasted carrots, asparagus with capers and raisins, sweet potato agridolce. So as an adventurous chef and as a mom, what advice do you have for parents facing non-adventurous eating kids? Mm. One of the one of the most important things, and I have a five and a seven year old, so I this is very much up my alley, and I'm very honest and open about the fact that you know my kids don't eat everything, and sometimes they will eat something, and I'm like, oh, they love it, so I buy it in bulk, and they look at me like, why did you buy this? I would never eat this. So I mean, their taste taste buds are very fickle. Getting them involved in the process of cooking at home, preparation at home. And then when you're eating it to explore, what does it taste like? Is it creamy? And just removing a lot of the stress and removing a lot of the pressure around trying different foods. I will often just put a new food on a plate for my kids. And I'm thinking to myself, there's no chance they're going to eat it. But if I have, I call it a safe food, something that I know that they will eat, whether it's, you know, a piece of sourdough toast and butter, something that feels safe and familiar to them, and then just back off and you all just enjoy your meal together. And oftentimes they will find their way on their own toward the food. And it takes a while, you know, don't count it out after two, three times. I mean, sometimes it takes 15, 20 times before they come around. That's great advice. Kat Ashmore, your new book, Big Bites, Wholesome, Comforting Recipes That Are Big on Flavor, Nourishment, and Fun. Great. Good luck with the book. And thanks for talking with me this morning. So great to be here. I had a blast. Thank you. Wow. I mean, you know, from Hungry Lady Salads to so many other foods and all of this on this amazing TikTok platform. I, if you don't following recipe developers on TikTok and Instagram, I really encourage you to do it because Instagram Reels has great content about food. So does TikTok. And I save dozens of recipes on oh, Mark both. Mark has found great stuff to make for dinner. He's been cooking more and more and the recipes he finds on, on social media are really great. I do. I've been cooking a lot of vegan food and I'm following all these UK vegan chefs and even US vegan chefs and I'm really having a great time with their recipes and plus the videos are really fun to watch. So check out Kat Ashmore's work at Hungry Lady Salads and even check out her book Big Bites. Okay, before we get to our last segment, What's Making Us Happy in Food This Week, let me remind you that we do have a newsletter, Cooking with Bruce and Mark. You can find that on our website. Guess what it's called? Cookingwithbruceandmark.com. So I know, we're just so clever. You can also find it at bruceandmark.com if you don't want to type all that out. But down at the bottom of the splash page where you enter the website, there is a way to sign up for the newsletter. I don't capture your email and I do not allow the host MailChimp to capture it either and it cannot be sold for any reason you can subscribe and of course you can always unsubscribe anytime you want it comes out I don't know once or twice a month okay up next our final segment what's making us happy in food this week and I'm going to start off oh okay I get to start off and my what's making me happy are new plates <laughs> we bought new plates why do we both over the laugh holidays. at each other's what's making I don't know and I know this isn't anything you eat but so you know it's a holiday sales 
we bought a whole new set of dinner plates. Mm. And yes, I know, we're gay. We have like 5,000 plates as it is. And we bought more, which is really crazy. But we did throw out a set of plates in buying swings. Nothing comes in unless something goes I out. Know, we're at that age. <laughs> a set of scratched up terracotta plates went out and these came in. And I don't know, We it's just been fun having new plates in the house. And it's really perked up even just weeknight meals between mm. the two of us because we had some salmon last night with some green beans on it. And it just looks so pretty it on did. the new plates. And I don't know, the plates made me very happy. So that's what's making me happy in food this week. Check out the January sales. Maybe you should consider getting getting a new set of plates. Actually, the best part of those new plates were the old ones we kept on the counter, and instead of washing them as we used them, we threw them out. <laughs> we did. So it's like, let's have dinner on the old terracotta plates and then throw them out. It was amazing, <laughs> just throwing plates out. I felt like I was a billionaire. I was Elon Musk for a moment. Okay, anyway, that's what's making me happy in food this week. What's making me happy is something very silly. Um, I just ate the last of these little integral, meaning whole grain, sweet breakfast biscuits that we brought home from Madrid where we were <laughs> I a bought few them months in a ago. grocery store in Madrid and, and then brought them back like to our apartment. A, a euro yeah it was like a euro fifty for this box of like four pounds of these little sweet breakfast biscuits. <laughs> and I couldn't leave them in the Airbnb. They were so good. So I packed them and brought you them home. Did. You packed they, sleeves of them. I did. They're actually sometimes called Maria biscuits and these said they were integral so they were whole grain and oh, we did, every morning in Europe, we had like two or three of them yeah, with I espresso did. for breakfast. I did. So I was doing the same thing. We came home and I just finished them. I bought, I bought them and I bought, and this will just kill it. This is a story I have to tell you. I bought this, I went to this really nice food uh, store, well, department store with a food store in it in Madrid. And I went, you know, the food store's on the bottom floor of this particular location. And I went down there. It's really high end stuff, but also low end stuff. But what killed me is that they had these beautiful packages of red currants, beautiful, big, ripe red currants for a Euro 32 a package. And what are we talking? That's like a dollar fifty, dollar seventy mm-hmm. a package uh, for current red currants. And so we would have red currants and these biscuits with espresso for breakfast. We were pretending like we were Spanish Madrid citizens. That's Madrid. what we Yes, we were pretending that we were that, although we're far from that. Okay, that's our podcast for this week. Thanks for listening, and thanks for being a part of our food journey. We hope we're a part of your food journey, and we hope that you will join us again next week. You can be part of our food journey at Facebook on our Facebook page, Cooking with Bruce and Mark, where you can share photos of foods that you're enjoying. We tell you what's making us happy in food each week. Tell us what's making you happy in food this week, and we'll continue to do that again on the next episode of Cooking with Bruce and Mark.